Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. Later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one, make sure your sales goals aren't unrealistic. We'll also be having our chat with Christina, who's back from her uh, innovation conference in Boston. We'll be looking at some of the highlights of that conference. But right now we're going to have a chat with human relations expert Joe Hanlon and we're going to talk about attracting, engaging and keeping staff. Good afternoon, Joe. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, according to business owners, there are common issues that not just around attracting staff, but around engaging and keeping them. What are some of the key differences you've noticed over time that business leaders need to be aware of now? <laughs> There's a large number of changes that have happened over time, I guess, and I can't haven't got time to cover them all today, but I'll just give a few small examples of yeah. trends. I'll also be talking in generalities. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so for the first time, I guess one of the big differences is that employees in the workplace are now working across five generations. That's between wow. 17 and 70 years, if not more. So those are traditionalists, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, or Gen Y, and Gen Z. And I guess that's because people are living a lot longer, we're staying more vibrant, and a lot of people, I guess, need to continue to work, and, uh, and a lot of people are wanting to, because as we know, that keeps our brain going. Yeah. So um, the differences are, though, that older generations have tended to prefer more, prefer more stable and secure work, and that's what the expectation has been, I guess, and their experience, whereas a lot of the younger people are, are growing up very much used to the gig economy, and that's where they're employed or contracted to uh, work on a task or a project um, or a short-term basis. And I guess a lot of that, some of that is necessity um, on their part, some is necessity on the employer's part. And, and so trying to manage that um, is really quite tricky. And if you add in the different personality types, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we're all aware mm-hmm. of, working styles, cultural backgrounds and global locations of our workforces, even in small companies, this really means that a single approach to all workers is, is not going to work. So as a, as a result, a lot of my clients express frustration because they've invested time and money in, in putting staff in, only to find 18 months, two years later, they're off to the next gig. And I guess that um, sometimes it's about having conversations. A number of my clients over the years, I've had to have conversations with them about, it's okay, please don't take it personally. <laughs> this is a new style of, of work for a lot of people and um, they've got their eye on bigger prizes um, and uh, they're heading on. So it's about flipping, I guess, um, your expectation in dealing when you do have younger people, especially in your workforce, as to um, that expectation of how long they're going to stay and... Um, and, and balancing that, I guess, with the investment that you put into them. What similarities have remained in engaging and retaining people um, from the past now? Um, I guess people have always wanted to do a good job, Julian. They want to feel they can contribute at work in a meaningful way and also personally have an impact, whether that's on, on their own uh, development, um, whether it's on the business, the clients, the customers or whatever that is. And um, so that, that, I think, remains the same. People also want to work for companies that they can be proud of and they can trust. Um, as we know, bad companies are routed very quickly these days and mm. can result in people voting with their feet. So, um, you know, that's, it's really important for, to, for companies or people in the companies to realise that, that um, 
younger people won't just stick around because it's a job. They're like, I'm, I'm out of here. If they don't agree with their values or if they don't align with that, they, they can go. Mm-hmm. And also people want to work for people that they admire and they look up to and respect um, with these with online profiles um, out there and um, loud and proud on on social media everywhere that it 's an expectation essentially uh, we really need to be the best leaders and bosses that people can um, can look up to because that that helps keep staff on board and engaged because using um, an expression of fish rocks in the head um, if we don 't behave well and we don 't aspire to be decent leaders and it really shouldn 't be any surprise when our when our staff fight with their feet and leave. Mm. So um, that's a, I think that's that's a common thing. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people do leave because of their their managers or their bosses, and of course that leads us into the next question. Given that over seventy percent of businesses in Australia are classified as being family businesses, does this add any complexity to retaining and engaging staff due to the relationships that exist? <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we can think about where people take. That's a, that's a large percentage of businesses, right? And I guess um, 80% of the people um, that I work with are, are essentially family businesses, whether it's one, two, or even three generations. Mm. And um, you see a lot of examples of complexity because it's not just the emotional relationships that you have with people at work. It's also to do with the emotional relationships that family members bring into the business. And, you know, and, but to add further complexity, when we, we can spend up to 50% of our waking hours at work and it's natural that new relationships develop uh, between people and how that works or doesn't work can have a real impact on everybody's experiences and adds significant complexity if they're not managed well. Um, often having some structure, policies, procedures, agreed um, boundaries and, and things can really help help there. Um, I guess a lot of people, when you're working with family businesses, you can logically understand that family members uh, can justifiably expect some extra benefits, I guess, but the reality of how people end up feeling will, will come down to the sensitivity of those family members and how they leverage or take advantage of or, or not of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, one simple example, one of my... Um, Clients. Um, it was a family business. Um, there was a dad, a number of children in the business, and the 17-year-old who newly come into the business was working in uh, in the warehouse and um, decided that um, he was going to go wandering around saying, "Well, you know, be careful how you treat me because in the future, you know, I could well end up being your boss." <laughs> As you can imagine, that that didn't go down particularly well with um, with a lot of his uh, his colleagues and, and his manager. So. Uh, we uh, we had to have some conversations mm. a with the son b with the father and uh, and just to make sure that people realise the impact that this was having on on staff members. Well, what are some of the key tips to increase the chances of keeping team members happy and engaged? Well, I guess the fact that we do need to take responsibility of the fact that as a leader in the business, people are going to look up to you and follow your lead. Um, when I go into a lot of organisations, um, people complain that their staff aren't behaving well. Mm. And I, sometimes it's really helpful to re- turn that mirror around and reflect on, well, am I actually leading from the top well? Um, am I setting a good example? Um, or am I actually saying one thing and doing something quite different and also allowing other family members, especially in the family business or other key workers, to behave? 
behave badly because because if, if we are doing that, then that really leads to um, people just going, I'm out of here, this is not working, it's not mm. fair, mm. and I'm um, going. I've got a great little anagram which I use, which is MAGIC, um, and that stands for Meaning, Autonomy, Growth, Impact, and Connectedness, which is a really easy way to remember five key ways to keep engaged, employees engaged. Um, that's based on a book called Engagement MAGIC, um, by a woman called Tracy Maylett. It's a fantastic mm. little book, and I really look, you know, encourage people to look at it if they if they choose. Um, but they're they're great um, great ways to to um, to look at it. I think the other thing is give your team, especially when you've got younger and older people in in the workforce, Julian, is to get them to work together and get them to find new ways of of taking the business forward, blending experience and older parts of the business that work really well with new technology, new methods and new thinking. And um, that way you're going to keep people on board more because they're going to be working together. Their relationships are going to be more rich and um, they're going to have more fun probably working together. So um, uh, that's one way. But employees as well, it's really important. Don't just rely on being a family member and potential heir apparent um, to get a job or keep a job in the business. It's really important to, to add value. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing um, employees need to, it's a two-way relationship. You need to be able to give and take in a relationship. So if you're expecting flexibility from your boss, whether it's in where you work, how you work, the times you work, how you dress, it's really important as employees that you also respect and consider the, the needs of the business and, and meet meet people halfway because it's got to be a two-way street. Um, well, thank, yeah, thank so you for your time today. That was uh, some great tips there. And we'll have a chat with you again another time. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate the time. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Joe Hanlon there with some great ideas there for keeping our staff engaged and happy. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up to 24 minutes past one. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. Some good advice in that song. Take it easy on yourself. <laughs> Make it easy on yourself, yeah. Make it easy on yourself, yeah. So uh, you have uh, obviously don't because you've been travelling around the world again. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And you've come yeah. back from uh, Boston with some great highlights for us, I hope. Yeah, some great highlights, but very interesting in that um, the main themes that came out of the conference are nothing new. So mm. we keep needing to repeat the same messages, which brings me to, to a point um, that I'll, I'll actually go through the highlights first, and then I'd like to come back and discuss why we need to keep reiterating some of these messages. So the main themes we listen, you know, we listen to everybody from um, Corteva to to Steve Wozniak to Ivy Ross um, from Google, who is quite an amazing presenter, uh, and the theories and everything behind why Google do what they do. Um, as we know, the backstory for any organisation is really important, but it was really interesting to hear um, mm-hmm. how the Google story is evolving and how some of their products, the colours, are very intentional in their product. You know how you, you might go into Google um, on a daily the, basis and yeah. the logo changes. You know, mm-hmm. very, very intentional very much about the creative, very much about design and balance and, and how colour and movement make us feel. But the main themes, to get back to those, so the emerging themes, um, collaboration and connection. So there's a real emphasis and a real push on connection at the moment, uh, and we actually had that with our own Hunter Innovation Festival yeah. that was that was on recently as well. It's all about the connection. Uh, and what happened at Boston is that with every app these days has a... Uh, sorry, every conference has an app, 
And what happened at the conference is that you answered a series of questions. One was on your particular area of business. One was more on your your ethical stand, your values, um, etc. And you got this matchmaking score uh, and you were matched to other delegates at the conference. What was interesting was that you could make a meeting with anyone that was at the conference. And at this particular conference, which ran over three days, there were more than 600 face-to-face meetings made between individuals. Oh. So that was a that was a really um, mm. positive outcome around the connections that were made. So you go to a conference not only to learn but to also connect with other people. Mm. The second thing is something that we've talked about many times. It's about failure into learning. It's about unlearning. It's about being curious. It's about living outside of your own comfort zone and living outside of your own industry and bringing back information from outside your industry into your own. You know, that that whole um, saying that says we just don't know what we don't know. How do you read, talk, share stories and and set up structured moments in organisations for people to collide and where they can share ideas? So failure, learning, unlearning, number two. Number three theme, go with as diverse a team as you possibly can create. Um, there was an entrepreneur, and we're not not only talking, you know, in in terms of gender. There was a young entrepreneur that presented at the conference who was 13 years old. Ivy Ross from Google is in her 60s, so it was kind of this very much diverse um, age range, culture, backgrounds, you know, um, also in in profession. So there was a real really big, diverse range of people, and it wasn't only gender-based. It was race, culture, age, every every possibility of um, diversification that you could have, there was a representative at this particular conference. So the more varied, the more creative the source, the more explosive, basically, at the end of the day, the output can be. The fourth theme, something that we know about constantly, create time and space for innovation and creativity. If you don't create the space, nothing's going to happen. If you don't allow people to ideate, if you don't allow people to actually daydream, you know, Google are very big um, still, according to Ivy Ross, in that whole daydreaming, imagineering um, area. And Steve Wozniak was talking about um, Disney and all the, the ideation and all the dreaming, the imagineering that happens at Disney. There was another speaker who had spent 20 years of his life working at Disney who said part of the, the beauty and the, and the talents that he has taken forward is that whole imagineering, you know, that, that whole mm. creative space to allow your imagination to go a bit wild to be able to create. So we don't allow ourselves enough space and, and enough time for all the things that we know to connect within our brain. Mm. So for me, you know, they were the four themes. They're not, they're not earth-shattering, remarkable themes. They're recurring themes. Clearly, we're not paying enough attention because they still need to be recurring themes at talks, conferences, etc. Yes. And the whole question, for me, it begs the question of what are you doing with the people that you are sending to conferences? What space are you giving them when they come back? What opportunities are you giving them when they come back to share the information and get other people just as engaged and just as thrilled um, as you were potentially at the conference? So you go to a conference for a couple of days, you hang with a like-minded tribe, you learn all this information, you go back to work, you've got 700 emails in your inbox... How do you get that enthusiasm and how do you get that support to move things forward? Uh, and, and a lot of it comes down to the speakers, I believe, at, at conferences now who are giving people tips on what they can take back and instantly implement. Right. And they're giving people tips on um, how they can engage, you know, the, the top end of the organisation to give them time to 
disseminate some of this information to other members of the organisation. Well, thank you for bringing that back with you and uh, we'll continue to uh, share with you over the next few weeks. Love to do that, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with, uh, again, more excitement as she comes back from these conferences. And it's great to uh, pick up some of those points because uh, they can be valuable in our business. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up to 27 minutes to 2. Time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This one today, make sure your sales goals aren't unrealistic. When a majority of salespeople miss a goal, it's often because the management team set the goal too high. Unrealistic goals not only dampen sales, but also cause top-performing salespeople to get frustrated and leave. So here's how to assess whether your sales goals are stretching into the impossible. Firstly, track historic goal achievement outcomes. Set a benchmark for the percent of salespeople that should make the goals, typically 60-75%. to If the percentage is consistently below the benchmark, then your goals are likely too high. Secondly, prevent padding. Don't allow senior leaders to pad national or regional goals before handing them down. Determine whether padding is occurring, to what extent and at what organisation level so you can stop it. And finally, use diagnostics. Classify salespeople into high, average and low performance segments and track and compare voluntary attrition rates across the segments. Excessive attrition rates of high performers coupled with low goal achievement may mean your goals are overstretched. So interesting comments there, isn't there? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at attracting, engaging and keeping staff with Joe Hanlon and uh, some of those highlights of the Innovation Conference. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll chat about business awards, work, how they work for you with business mentor Kimberly Claire Campbell. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as J.I.R. Tolkien once said, little by little one travels far. <laughs>